0: Archons. Welcome to Sanctimonious, a Keyforge podcast where two zealous Keyforge players discuss various topics regarding combat within the Crucible. Stand at attention and salute your hosts, Sir Jake, Sir Alex, and Sir Dan.
1: Welcome back to Sanctimonious. This is Jake, and I'm joined by the two greatest co-hosts in the Crucible, Dan and Alex. Welcome to episode
0: forty, y'all. Here we go again. We made it. <laughs> We've arrived. Uh, yeah, forty. Wow, it's, that's a number that's shockingly close to my actual number that I'm getting to. <laughs>
1: it's it's crazy. Like, I mean, maybe not the biggest milestone in the world, but still feels like a pretty big hey. number.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a that's a really
1: solid start. Multiple of five. Multiple of 10. Like, you know,
2: you got to make a note of that. Multiple of 8. We'll have to do a supersized episode for 50 or something. We'll have to do something special at 50. Definitely,
1: yeah. Uh, but since it is a multiple of 5, uh, I do want to bring up our Patreon account, uh, which you may not be aware that we have, but uh, we do have one. It's linked in the bottom of our uh, show notes. And we currently have 14 patrons. That does so much to encourage us to keep doing the show. We really, really appreciate your support. Wow. Uh, so does so your
0: dog. Dog showing the
1: love. Fred in the background saying,
0: Thank you, Archons.
1: And we had just a brand new patron support us, uh, which is very exciting. So I want to give a very special... Uh, shout out and welcome to our newest uh, patron, Matthew Duffy. Matthew, thank you for joining our castle. Uh, we're very happy to have you here. Thanks, Matt. If anyone is so inclined to help us keep making this show, uh, that's a really great way to do it. End of pitch. Pitch off. <laughs> welcome. This week, our episode is going to be about reflecting on The randomness in the deck distribution of Keyforge. Now that we've been playing this game for well over a year, I just wanted to take a moment to think about that amazing distribution algorithm, the one true algorithm that rules them all, uh, and then see how it's doing for the community.
0: Um, also, really quick announcement. Uh, so by the time you're listening to this, the league has begun. If you missed Ooh. out on it, hit us up in the Discord. I'll do another latecomers league. It'll be random with whoever you get matched up at from people all across the world, but you still have a chance. Um, but yeah, the league has begun now that, now that you're listening to this. So good luck, everybody playing in the league. Reversed adaptive is the terminology I coined. Playing an adaptive match, but you play your opponent's deck, round one your deck round two then round three with the winning deck if needed
1: and and the winner of that league gets the amazing gold name in (laughs) our discord
0: leagues the many leagues yeah
1: (laughs) yeah so so shout out to zotted i just saw him popping up in the bright yellow that was pretty cool he's been in in the cord since the very beginning so that's awesome yeah
0: and one of our other winners was a repeat winner and so yeah he's already yellow so congratulations again I think it's was, was it was it Flipper? It's probably Flipper. Well done, EU. Well done, West Coast for finishing. I think Central and East are still going.
1: Time for our weekly inspiration, where we say one KeyForge-related thing that inspired us over the past week.
0: word silence all right yeah so um mine again is going to be thanks to grant titus and the crucible tracker this is my second week in a row of being inspired by this fine program made by this upstanding archon so thank you grant um requested i think i put in a github for it a long time ago but i don't know Maybe not. Maybe I messed it up. Maybe I didn't actually click submit or something. But um, having in the TCO tracker your ability to see your games against a single opponent across all your decks and that got put in and in the same day we are like, hey, could you just add the win-loss total in? And it happened like five minutes later. So that's pretty amazing. It was really cool going through it. Um, Alex has been just destroying everybody in our Discord. I think we're all like 25% (laughs) against him or something like that. I think I'm like 55 and 111 Versus Alex, so real strong. Alex is the person I played the most games against. Uh, Blake from Help and Future Self and United Archons, me and him have the second most games played against him, and we're pretty even. I think he's like four or five games ahead of me right now. It's like 54 and 58 and some, something like that. And then Beehawk is my third most played opponent, and I think he was quite a ways ahead of me because he used to beat my brains in before I got good at the game. So yeah, that's been really fun. It's been really fun just to look at like a single opponent and just kind of see what decks you've had success with against them because then you can look at all the decks that you've played against them. Um yeah, it's just it's a really cool feature. So check it out on the uh, TCO tracker. And if you don't have the TCO tracker and you want to get good at this game, get it. What are you doing? Yeah, get this. It's so good. It's so great. Like in those close losses, it it, it lays out your entire game, like every hand you had during the game. Lays out all the actions that were taken. Like, it's a great way to look back through the game and go, Oh, crap. There's the turn where I messed up and I should have not gone sanctum. I should have, or no, obviously I should have won sanctum. I should not have gone Dis this turn. <laughs> but yeah, it's really good. And you can share those game, you know, those game logs with other people. So if you have a sweet comeback victory from O2, you can paste that into our discord and we can all ooh and ah over it and slap you on the back and say huzzah.
1: That's so cool. I had no idea. I was just going through my now and I'm 2 and 10 against Alex <laughs> <laughs>
0: joined the club. <laughs> I think zotted our new league winner announced that he's 1 and 0 against Alex and is refusing to ever play him again. Never again. Legend status. <laughs> Undefeated
2: against Alex. I feel like this is a lot of pressure to live up to, though, because people sometimes people play me and I think they're disappointed when when they're almost like disappointed when they win or something. And I'm like, (laughs) I don't know. I lose a lot. So I don't know what to tell you.
0: I'm ecstatic when I win. I know it's a good victory when I beat you. Obviously, I lose enough to know that it's rare.
1: I guess my big inspiration was uh, I've been testing for Worlds. Hopefully it won't have been canceled already by the time you hear this <laughs> podcast. Uh, sure.
0: yeah. uh,
1: we did want to make a note that uh, I saw today as we're recording this podcast that I think it was Come On Expo in Atlanta. Their big gaming convention uh, was scheduled for the same week as Worlds. It has been canceled out of concerns for the spreading coronavirus. So we we're thinking that you know an event intended to bring people literally from all over the world to come play uh at this time that it's probably a, a relatively high likelihood that it'll get canceled hopefully it won't uh hopefully that this will sort of all have washed over
2: by then hopefully it doesn't but a little bit selfishly it would be nice for me if it did <gasps> because it would mean i could maybe go but also for everybody else i really hope it doesn't get canceled
1: yeah i mean i'm sure like if if it is canceled it seems like they would have to extend an invite next year to anybody who earned one this time around
0: well i mean so i think you could go like you could just postpone like it doesn't have to happen in may like you could just do it later on in the year like i know i mean i'm I'm here at ground zero so you're welcome everybody that i wasn't going to go to worlds anyways you know since there's you know, just you know, like seventy confirmed cases here in Seattle. No big deal. Uh, <laughs> I left the house in like six days, but you know, whatever. Amazon's great. Um, <laughs> no, I I, I could I just foresee it. Maybe just maybe postponing for a little bit. But yeah, there's been a lot of big things. Like I'm, you know, I've said I'm big into Rocket League, and their Worlds tournament was going to happen in Dallas. They sold out like a twenty thousand plus seat arena for people to attend and watch it live and yeah they totally canceled
1: so a little a little bit of gallows humor but in truth stay stay safe out there folks make sure you're washing your hands and trying not to touch your face wash Wash your
2: hands
1: hands. but anyway so i've been testing for adaptive uh to hopefully play at worlds and I've, i've stumbled upon a really fun deck that i've been enjoying and uh i got i've Dan happened to pop in as spectators in one of my games to watch me make just three or four horrible play mistakes in a row.
0: Egregious errors. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I'm sorry to kick him off the podcast. <laughs> like, forget it, dude. Just quit Shred your decks. He,
1: he distracted no, me, so I miss, missed, like, a stealth mode and then, like, play, picked Sarian and didn't have anything but actions in my hands. So didn't just realize
0: like, that Group Think Tank was not mini Group Think Tank and just destroyed his own battle
1: line. Yeah, destroyed my, like, daughters and eddies. It was, it was rough. And then my <laughs> opponent, like, the next round, he was like, oh, sorry, misclick. Mind if I go in manual mode? I'm like, dude, like, I've been <laughs> shooting myself in the foot all game. Uh, but anyway, so I got my butt kicked in that one and, and Dan asked for next and that ended up being one of the more memorable back and forth uh, games of like Key Forge I've played in a while.
0: It was fun. I was a dirty net decker. I was, we were talking about rarity of decks and I was looking up Oppenheimer to see how many decks had three times exune, three times Ronnie. And I found one with three times Exumes, four times Ronnie, Choda, Choda in Keycharge, And I was like, I have to play this deck. So yeah, I rocked it yeah. in the very first game against Jake. It was back and forth, back and forth. I thought Jake had the advantage. Then all of a sudden I had three Ronnies in hand and I felt like I had the advantage. And then yeah. Worse.
1: Yeah. So the last play last turn of the game, it was so I I you know, I'm like on check and Dan takes me off check bounces one of my Saurian creatures or something that had like
0: six lights out yeah make mega grok or no mega nine toes at like six six amber and a scudum and i have a lights out and i'm just like yeah this is gonna be so juicy see like double tribute exalted onto him and i was like oh yes put all that amber on there
1: so he goes up to 19 amber and I'm like, uh oh, I don't know. If, and I know he can forge, and I know he has the keychain in his hand.
0: I, I it in.
1: Yeah, I chewed so it I'm in. like, okay, I'm gonna lose. I have to take him off check. Luckily, I had the Crassosaur in my archive, so I go Crassosaur to capture ten of the amber, and then I go, and then I think I also had a Thero Centurion to get another one, take him down to like eight yeah. or something. Yeah. And it was just enough to get there. My first ever successful Crassosaurus play. Yeah,
0: I think I was only like 14. I don't think it was that dire because if I was at like six, like I still had double full moon um, pose pixies, which would have been sick if I would have actually played it the turn before. Then that Crasso would have just totally flumped.
1: It was fun game, though. So that was fun. Thanks for the match.
0: Yeah, it was it was good times. Alex, how have you been inspired this week? I've been really inspired just by um
2: I think seeing people the way people are really approaching preparation for Worlds. Um I think people are approaching it with a lot of excitement and it's kind of like that excitement is just infectious, you know, where you get like people are just excited about the game. They're they're talking about like um what seats they're going to be where, you know, uh what they're thinking through with the decks. Um, I've helped a couple, just a couple people play, like just do some, start doing some initial prep. And I think it's just, it's just an exciting time um, for the game to have like this big event coming up. And for that sake, I really do hope it doesn't get canceled just because it is building so much excitement um, or even like um, just like people prepping for like, you know, Alameda, uh, Vault Tour. Um, and, you know, the that's survival, right? yes i'm pretty sure it's survival um which is a it's just an exciting format you know i've never i want i really want to go to a survival vault tour because i've never the the locations where they've been have just never been convenient for me um so that's a format i would i'm really looking forward to getting to play at some point but that's all just got me really excited for the game also uh you know getting some mass mutation spoilers here or there um And excited for that to come out in really not all that long, just in May. So hopefully, hopefully that won't be (laughs) delayed either. Uh, So
1: (laughs) a lot of nervous and tentative excitement in this week's inspiration. Hey, before we go into our main topic, I wanted to share a comment that we got on our Discord that really gave me the warm and fuzzies. And I think that's something I want to try and do. Uh, Every episode from here on out will be to share uh, a review we get of the podcast. So please, if you haven't already left a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast, that really helps us out. Uh, helps more people discover the pod. And it's always great to get the feedback, positive or negative, so we can continue to make this the best show it can be.
2: Pump up our frail egos.
1: So this one came uh, from Discord. Uh, from user Fenway Frank, he said, new to Discord, I love this podcast, and I finally decided to take the plunge here. I'm an average local player in my community. Uh, starting Started playing in the fall, felt like I hit a wall around the new year, then found your pod, and wow, I love it. One, it's fun. Two, it's well-produced and organized. Three, the practical advice from the hosts and guests is delivered in a very effective way. I'm sure you already know this, but great job. And thank you for giving me a deeper appreciation for the game.
0: Is that really about our podcast?
2: <laughs> <laughs> got, us, got us confused. <laughs> uh,
1: so, yeah, so that was a super kind thing to say. Yeah, thanks for that. Uh, uh, thank you. So thanks again, Benway. And, and leave us uh, your own review so we can read that out on the next episode.
0: Hokey On to the main topic. Rarities. Sealed boxes. Secondary market. You choose.
1: So this is kind of a grab bag of just sort of reflecting on how we think the distribution of decks has worked so far. Uh, And I'll be honest, one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this was because I, I, I don't have as many decks as a lot of people. I think I have 88 decks registered on my Uh, Dex Keyforge account, and I have not opened a single Maverick in the game. And that's just, you know, it was one of the things that I was super excited about uh, when Keyforge was coming out. And like, oh, that's so cool. Like, you could get these super extra unique decks. Like, I can't wait to get one of those. Like, I can't wait to see what my first Maverick will be. And now, you know, several boxes of decks later, and I'm still just kind of left wanting on that front. So my question to y'all is, like, do you think that the rate of which we open Mavericks is correct? Or uh, do you have similar frustrations about maybe wishing there were a little bit more uh, frequency of these random occurrences? All right,
0: you're ready for the hard numbers? So yeah. this is courtesy of Archon Arcana, a nice little website that has a whole bunch of great Keyforge information. The Lady Caffeina from our... Uh, Cord does some work on there. Can't remember who. I think it's Blinking Line. I think he's the uh, curator of the site. Um, but them partnered with Sky Jedi put these these uh, numbers together. So you can go check them out for yourself. They're just on the website under Card Rarity. Uh, so commons, uncommons, rares, and specials, based on a sample size of a hundred thousand decks from each set. Following numbers are estimates for the likelihood of a single card being a specific card type. So for Coda, call the Archons. You have a 66% chance of having commons, or 66% of your decks can be commons, 24% uncommons, 9.3% is rare, and 0.3% special. 0.3. So, yeah. Like, Coda really didn't have any specials. It was like Time Traveler, uh, The Masters, and The Horseman. I think those were the... I think those are the only specials in Coda. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I right. you just didn't really have a... Super high chance of pulling any of those, so specials were pretty far down there. So then we go to AOA and common drops a little bit to 65%. Commons hangs right in at 20. Uncommons hang in right at 24%. Rares at 9.7%. A little bit higher percentage of rares in Age of Ascension, and then specials 0.6%. <laughs> we doubled the amount of specials. Like I can't think. of it. It's Time Traveler. What were the specials from Age of Ascension?
2: I don't even know. Uh, Definitely Time Traveler, Uh, Playgrats. Ambassadors, right?
0: Ambassadors, Playgrats. There you go. Playgrats is a big one because when they showed up, they showed up big. Like three to seven big. So yeah, so there's your slight increase there in the specials. And then Worlds Collide, you had a 64.3% common. uh, 23.9, so dip in the uncommon. Rare, 9.5. And special, 2.3%. And that's because of, I think, the bruise. So many brews
2: and the and the plants.
0: plants.
2: Yeah, I think that brews and plants actually take up a common slot, though they don't act. Even though they show up as specials, I think that they are at the like they show up at common rarity.
0: Right. All right. So your percentage of decks containing a legacy and call the archons not applicable. (laughs) It was the first set. All right. A maverick for Coda. You have a four point one percent chance. So, yeah, maybe if you have 100 decks, maybe you'd actually get one. I don't know. 100 decks from just Coda. Uh, Legacy Maverick, not applicable, an anomaly not applicable. Age of Ascension, 8.4% chance of having a Legacy. A 4.1% chance of having a Maverick, so that has remained the same. <laughs> a Legacy Maverick, 0.0092%. Not, wow. not likely to have a Legacy Maverick. Uh cool worlds though. collide legacy card 6% chance a maverick 3.9% chance a legacy maverick becomes even more rare at .0084 and then you have a 3.5% chance of getting an anomaly and that's based on this I think still the 100,000 decks so yeah not not super super odds in your favor there of any of those <laughs> so
1: do you think it should be higher that i think like and i when let's just talk about mavericks first for a second like do you think four percent roughly is the right amount because when you're designing this game designing the algorithm that's definitely a decision that was made how often do we want these to appear
0: it doesn't bother me i don't think mavericks are like that i mean they're they're neat but I don't think they're like integral to a deck or the game for any reason. It's just kind of a cool
2: little. They're not integral, but they are part of what makes KeyForge exciting. Like I think that Mavericks are one of like so what KeyForge has going for it is primarily, I think, like some differences in draw style, like, you know, the fact that you draw at the end of your turn. Um, The fact that it's a race and not just like a deathmatch sort of game. And I think the third thing that it has is uniqueness. It has, you don't, you know, you're getting to make different types of decisions. Um, You're not getting to pick the cards in your deck, but you are getting to pick what kind of deck you look for. And I kind of like, for that reason, I I, kind of do feel like I wish that Mavericks were more more common. It doesn't have to be like common level uh, common, you know, but like, even if it was like, five to nine percent like like you said dan mavericks mostly are not that impactful they are interesting um and they can do some really crazy stuff in some situations but i think the amount of situations where a maverick produces something really broken is like it's got to be like one percent of one percent right like something very very low there's no hard numbers here but like I i have to feel like it's pretty low like for every maverick toxin in mars that you get you get like um just troll or something like you know something like okay <laughs> here we go i got a maverick troll great or I, I i did get i did open a deck with a maverick grommet which was
0: hilarious <laughs> um. you'll be getting a dm soon
1: just to add my two says like i agree uh a lot with what alex is saying and i think that it almost doesn't matter whether it makes the decks better or worse, I would still prefer more of them because there are instances where like a Maverick does create something really broken. Um, like a Mars toxin with antenna, for example, or uh, I lost on the crucible to, I think it was like a uh, witch of the eye with a Maverick. Uh, shoot. What's the, it was a, it was a Mars witch of the eye with the Mars card oh, that the Mars. creature squawker. With Squawker. Oh. So it's just like a free <laughs> yeah. rule of six, six of amber every time. And I was like, okay, well, that is like a clearly broken <laughs> combo, right? But if, if they're, and so those are out there and the fact that they are out there, you know, means that's like competitive advantage to people who are able to get them. Like it, theoretically, like if, if one of those decks became a super top tier vault tour winning deck like i think that could be a problem for the game
0: yeah the coolest one i've seen so far was a i played against it in a prime and it was a maverick key charge and logos with i think a couple of novus it might have been an aoa deck so it might have had the xyz but it also had shadows and the Stings. so he was just trying to draw through play the sting and then key charge his way to victory through logos <laughs> just pretty neat yeah, that's that's fun.
2: Yeah, and I mean that's what that's what I kind of like about Mavericks. So it's like they create these like really interesting scenarios that you you can't get otherwise. Um, and honestly, like for every how, how many times I just want this is a funny thing, but how often is the broken Maverick a Witch of the Eye from Coda? That's a really that's about, like <laughs> it's always Witch of the Eye, right? Uh, but uh, it, it, so aside, that aside, like. Most of my experience with Mavericks has been, this is just fine. Or like, like in my, uh, in my Gen Con sealed deck, I had a Maverick, um, bulwark, which was like, it actually was pretty good, but it like, it's just kind of like, it, it, it was very unexciting. I remember that even though it was good. It was like, I was not like super amped to open a Maverick, uh, bulwark. <laughs> um, and that's why I just feel like increasing the rate would actually be a helpful thing. Um, Just because so many of them are not the broken things. And I mean, let's be honest, there's a lot of other broken things that you can just open outside of Mavericks. So I don't think that we're I don't it doesn't seem like from a design perspective, they're afraid of introducing broken or powerful combos. Um, But they, for some reason, seem very hesitant about certain kinds of of things maybe they're just afraid of like the out maybe there's may- I wonder. Uh, this is just pure speculation but i do wonder if there's an amount of like a lack of control after they increase the percentage of like suddenly we can't we can't uh hold the power curve of decks as closely as we want to because it the the, the mavericks are inherently a little bit more random Maybe. Right.
0: All right. Let's really let really rub it in Jake's face here. What's your best Maverick, Alex?
2: <laughs> best Maverick? Um, best Maverick in your collection. I've got 146 think, decks, and I have five decks with Mavericks. I think the so I I have sold this deck, but I think the best Maverick I ever opened was a I was actually I mentioned this was a Mars toxin um, that had brainstem antenna. Uh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> Discard their hand.
2: Yeah, you just like. <laughs> I mean, it didn't happen all the time, but when it did, ha- I just like got several lockouts with that deck on just like, I just can go Mars repeatedly and just like make you discard your entire hand, um, which is pre- it because I think it had John Smith, too. It had like John Smith and, Squawkers <laughs> and um,
0: you know, it's so so. all right. So I've got four that I opened myself of those four. I don't know. They're, none of them are that cool. I've got like a disc Tricerian Legionary. Um, but my very favorite one was even of brain cube hideout it was a non otk lands deck back in the day and it was actually really good but it has a untamed relentless whispers which was super cool and every time i played it on tco like the symbol wouldn't show up so i'd always try to play it on my shadow's turn like oh snap <laughs> it's the untamed one yeah um
2: but yeah yeah, that that, <laughs> that always does mess with me on TCO when you have Mavericks. I'm always like, oh, yeah,
0: here we go. And then I'm like, wait, this is not, oh, whoops. Here's here's an example of an unexciting one. A camouflage in House Brobnar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep.
2: Wee. That's
0: fun. Yeah, I lost to
1: uh, Corey Than in the Origins Vault tour I went to. And he played, and this was a seal, and he played a, shadows maverick mimicry again mimicry against yes. me. and i was like i i got like blown out in the game and i was kind of like complaining like andy had this to like somebody and they're like well he had untamed in the deck too so you can't really get mad yeah. about a card that you know that could potentially have another house like
0: fair but still <laughs> like come on still seems unfair <laughs> i won't i won't i won't completely stomp on you and say that yeah like It'd be cool if you saw them a little more often because yeah, it is kind of neat when you get that one in there because I have a disc full moon that I actually played that deck even though the deck is pretty meh. I tried it because it had disc full moon. It didn't have any ways to recur the disc creatures to make it really cool, but it had a disc full moon. It's kind of neat.
1: Yeah, well, I want to move this conversation forward because I think that it's also necessarily connected to the prospect of buying a sealed deck because. I, I'm fully on board with the fact that the distribution model of KeyForge is much more accessible than magic, but there's still an element of like that kind of gambler. I don't know the term for it, but uh, kind of getting that sense that you're gambling whenever you you're, open you're a in deck. The
0: slot machine. You're definitely pulling that hand, right? Oh, like yeah. you could get something amazing and win all the money, or you could just, you know, have it eat your money and have a deck that, it's not quite bad enough for reversal, but not good enough to play anywhere else. <laughs> well, first, let's, let's let's level set here first. All right, Jake, how many how many sealed boxes have you opened? Sealed display boxes, a full display box. It was all yours.
1: I've opened one display box, but I've opened. You said like- of your
0: of your eighty decks. How many of those would you say that were like sealed opens?
1: All but five. Okay, there you go. I've only bought five decks on the secondary market. Alex,
0: yeah. how many sealed display boxes have you oh, opened? Oh man, I'm really getting called out right now. <laughs> um, I mean, uh, Alex, to be fair, was a power sale seller for quite a yeah, while. I, still I, I've, I've, I've sold,
2: I, I sell some still. I mean, I, I buy and sell yeah, I go in I kind of go in cycles. Like I usually when for World's Glide, I was buying and selling a lot more when the set came out. Um, and then probably with mass mutations, I'll do the same. So I don't honestly have a total number, um, cause I just haven't <laughs> tracked that thoroughly. Um, but I would say in the neighborhood of sealed boxes, we have to be neighboring on like a lot of coda. So probably coda the most, I would say like 12 to 14 coda boxes, um, <sighs> probably like six AOA boxes, which was a mistake. I'm just going to say that. And then like uh, much, actually probably the least of worlds collide, uh, probably four boxes, but okay. So some of those numbers, I actually did. I have won a number of boxes in those numbers, like from events. Um, And I'm including those like stuff that I won and didn't purchase. Um, my master vault, I was looking this up. My master vault says I have 366, seven decks registered. Um, <laughs> but that, and I know that I've deleted at least like 50 to 60. So it's probably more in the range of like somewhere I've opened somewhere in the neighborhood of 400 <laughs> to 500 decks, I would guess. Um, <laughs> there you go.
0: Um, no. So for myself, I didn't actually open any. On my own, I didn't open any Coda Sealed. I bought a lot of, <laughs> I, I had the sickness that when I was traveling for work and I was like, oh, look, there's a game store within like 10 miles. Uh, <laughs> we'll just make a quick diversion and go pick up a couple decks. So I put a lot of like random ones and twos that way. And I think that's probably about the worst way to do it because, man, that you're really gambling then. Um <laughs> so don't do that um but then i did get two boxes thanks to or the martian of So we did open those two boxes on a stream of coda aoa i think i opened three boxes and bought one on release i got one as a happy second child gift um and then i think a third one when they dipped down a little bit cheaper but yeah, I was three, three boxes of AOA was like, yep, that was a mistake. So definitely on board there. <laughs> and then Worlds Collide, I just opened the one box and I got so disgusted by the Brobnar distribution that I have not touched. Well, okay, Scrounder sent us another box of Worlds Collide. But uh yeah, my target pre-release decks were by far superior to uh, anything I opened in my box is, box is.
1: Okay, so we've all opened different levels of decks. And I think all of us more than the average Keyforge person who's probably playing, you know, the game likely has less than 88 decks, being like the low man here. uh, Do you still feel excited to open a deck?
0: I think you're always excited to open a deck, but the opportunity cost of opening said deck as opposed to just going on the secondary market and spending the amount of, say, like, four sealed decks to get a deck that you know that you'll love and play um, is always the proposition you kind of have to sell yourself on.
2: Yeah, um, I I would agree with that. Um, So I'll say I I still like opening decks if I'm going to play a sealed event. Like, if we're all sitting down and we're all opening a new deck, and we're all going to play a game of KeyForge. That's still fun to me, even after as many decks as I've opened. Um, what is less exciting now is opening deck, like opening. I mean, this is kind of why I've I've slowed way down on buying display boxes because the feeling of like opening a display box at this point is mostly like, okay, like. 99 percent of this is very like unexciting to me and there's like maybe one deck that i'm i'm like hopeful might be not the worst um but uh honestly like i don't get that that doesn't that doesn't get me up in the morning certainly uh, uh to open a display box at this point but i do i do still really like doing deck evaluation and opening um opening uh decks for like events like that's that's still fun to me
1: <laughs> yeah i think i'm sort of i think i'm just like getting to the point where i'm like a little bit jaded like i still if if you give me a a box of keyforge or a single deck of keyforge i'm going to be like ooh what's inside here and want to open it and probably be excited about it having said that i think in my 88 decks maybe two are competitively viable uh and and again that's not really a criticism of how accessible the game is because i i purchased a top four vault Tour deck for ten dollars i have another couple of decks that i think are definitely competitive uh that i got in the range of 20 to 40 dollars so i mean that still seems like the price point to play the game is not too high yeah but I have opened as many decks as I had, albeit less than y'all and, and really feel like I haven't gotten that much out of it and not getting like, and, and really not having that much like unique things either since I have been unlucky and to not, you know, I guess I should have at least two Mavericks or whatever, if the distribution was equal, um, which of course, you know, it's not, but I guess it just made me kind of like, uh, like, I'm definitely not interested right now in buying any more sealed product until mass mutations come out. I say that yeah. for sure. No, and I mean I'm
0: still on board. Like when that first when that new set comes out, I still think I'm probably in that crowd that goes out and buys that first box just to kind of jumpstart the collection of it, and just to kind of have some decks to mess around with and play with right away. Um, the biggest, yeah. the biggest um,
2: positive I can see to bu- to buying a display box is it gives you lots of trade fodder. Um, (laughs) right (laughs) to be honest um, you know like like that's
0: so many of each other's decks right now
2: (laughs) yeah i mean like i the biggest thing that i've done with having a larger collection is i can just hand people my list of of decks that i like and there's a lot of things that aren't interesting to me that other people are like oh i really want to try that and they want to trade you know a deck that interests me from it and the only reason again the only reason i really have a you have to i think a lot of times to to do trading well you do have to end up having a little bit of a bigger collection because you need some like you need enough decks that you have good decks you don't mind like taking a chance on um or like s- throwing away or something you know basically like saying okay hey, sure i'll put this on the chopping block let's let's uh g- let me see this other deck you got um and that's the biggest but that's kind of a it's a weird like robbing uh what is that robbing peter to pay paul sort of situation
0: (laughs) no and like thing is too like so (laughs) i'm looking at my tco tracker at my most played games and let's see here i've got to go four five six seven i have to go down seven decks before i hit a deck that i actually opened (laughs) for (laughs) a number of games played like seven and eight are overgrown expert of Dragon's Marsh, my crazy heart of the forest deck, and then Mania Scourge, my target pre-release, are my first two that I actually opened. That I have played a number of games with on TCO. Everything above that is pretty much decks I've either bought and/or traded for on the secondary market. For
2: me, let's see. I was looking through my top. I was looking through my top decks, things that I consider really competitive. Um, I think that. So my most competitive deck that I opened myself was Turby Arena Hooligan, uh, which is my uh, library access time traveler. Like Mm -hmm. it's got hunting witches. It's got, you know, uh, some really good disruption and double life ward, double double mind barb, gongoozle. So that one, I actually did open that in a block, a box, uh, um but other than that uh two of my top decks were trades one of them i bought uh i traded no yeah this was a trade this was a so like essentially like six i'd say six of my top decks were trades two of them were purchased one was opened
1: so if you had a magic wand to change the algorithm in one way or adjust it uh, would you? And if so, what would you think? So,
0: I'm not so concerned about the algorithm right now. I'm concerned about the distribution inside of sealed boxes. That's one of the things. So, it's like opening that Brobnar box and Worlds Collide like crushed my soul so hard because I got zero Star Alliance. I was so excited for Star Alliance and I pulled zero Star Alliance decks out of my first display box and I had 10 of 12 being Brobnar decks that like I I played a couple of them because I mean, those are my first 12 decks. So I had to play some of them, but yeah, it did not feel good. <laughs> it felt pretty bad. So, and then, I mean, there is obviously a lot of that kind of going around with the uh, tabletop Royale guys opening 84 out of 84 disc decks or something. Some ridiculous number like that. <laughs> ridiculous, ridiculous. I don't know. Um so we need to fix that. Like that needs to get fixed. Cuz yeah, it's kind of scary buying a sealed box right now cuz like what if you do pull that like perceived like perceived slash is the weakest house in the set and you pull a box that's all that house? It's just like that's money like right down the drain. So that's what I want to change. I I'm fine with the algorithm. <laughs> like I had a nice distribution of scored decks in that box. It just not just not having the uh variety of houses in the boxes kind of disconcerting in mass mutation i think you guys are going to get what you want a lot with the whole um enhanced cards it's like the uniqueness of all the decks is just going to ratchet up a thousand percent since the uh the different symbols i won't go into too much in case people are trying to be spoiler free but the distributed symbols across the decks is going to make each deck super super unique so it can be very exciting opening mass mutation decks and seeing where those symbols might fall and on what cards they're coming up on.
1: I think that's a great point too. I'm going to go completely
2: tinfoil hat. So there's no hard data here, but I have this, like this anecdotal feeling from opening many boxes that there is, it seems like to me that there have always been, always been distribution issues (laughs) within debt, within displays. Um, whether that because I've noticed like I'll open when I open a display like the the display box that I opened um, that had Turby Arena Hooligan had three time traveler decks in it. <laughs> nice. um, so, you know, so and two of them, I think, had two of them were library access time traveler. Um, and one of those was playable and so, <laughs> which was Turby. Um And so you have this thing where I am noticed, I have noticed that there really does seem to be, and I feel like FFG has denied this, which is where I have to be like, okay, I mean, I, I don't know, you know, I don't really know, but, um, it does seem like there's something about the printing process that is causing deck similar decks to be grouped within boxes. Um, and it's where my i have i have actually theorized that probably the best way if you're going to buy random decks even though it's not the most cost efficient is to buy one or two from a different box like periodically um we did a i did a sealed league um with a, a local store and i was getting basically a sealed deck a week um from that and one of those was like One of the most bonkers decks I've ever opened, which was like a four times Infernus uh, Morpheus. Yeah, that was from my that was from my sealed league. Um, So that that seemed like to me to prove my idea that, like, I think that just by playing sealed events, you might actually be better off um, in trying to if your if your aim is to get a competitive deck from buying uh, from buying decks, not on the secondary market. Um, again, that's just my theory. But if I were going to change, and just to land the plane, if I were going to change one thing about the process is we, we and you know, Apple experienced this. Uh, I'm going to, I worked for Apple for a while, so I kind of know about this, but Apple experienced a thing with uh, Shuffle on iPods. And uh, in the first iterations of Shuffle, they got a lot of complaints, because when they were when the iPod was shuffling, it would play the same song multiple times in a row. And people are like, well, that isn't really random. But it's like, that actually is true randomness is like, occasionally, you get all the same, uh, all the same song, even though it's like randomly choosing, it just keeps randomly choosing the same one, there's a certain percentage chance that that would happen. And so I think that the issue with Display boxes is maybe actually maybe the problem is that it's too random, maybe it needs to be a little bit less random um and we need uh because what we what I think most players want is actually more distribution, which may be an inherently less random act
1: so I feel like what I'm hearing is two separate things like on one hand, if it's truly random, then like some proportion of the boxes will have all bra. But also, and I have anecdotal evidence of this too from one time playing in a sealed tournament that everybody had library access and like half of the people had like the lands combo in the early day of keyboard. Um That was like, it does seem like the same cards. And again, maybe that's just our brain seeing patterns that aren't really there do come next to each other. So I, I think like I'm with you there. If There's a way to make sure that we can design it in a way that are uh, there's a more even distribution in boxes then that is 100 percent for the best my 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 final point would be if I could change distribution I don't think it makes sense to like make decks better or worse on average because like they're still gonna be I think relatively the same amount that are competitively viable yeah. right if you make all the decks yeah. a little better they're still going you, be just, cha- a you tier just change you just change where
2: the bar is
1: <laughs> right exactly uh so for me, I would try and make decks feel more random. Or sorry, feel more different. Increase the number of Mavericks. Increase the number of Legacy. Increase the number of Anomaly. So that people can really experience playing with those cards. Because as my experience has been, like I really haven't. And I feel like I'm a pretty passionate player in this community. Uh, but I think the good news is, it seems like that is the direction they are going. With procedurally generated cards. So I am still very excited about the next
0: set in the future of the game. So am I, so am I. Yeah, no, I think Mass Mutation is going to do all that for you there. All right, last question on this. Are you more likely to buy sealed product or a secondary market deck at this point? Jake.
1: Really? Neither because I don't have I'm playing in worlds. If it happens, I'll be the anomaly or the anomaly chair. I'll be the adaptive chair. <laughs>
0: you are uh, so
1: I'll just pick, so I'm just gonna try and pick one of my decks I already have and learn it inside and out. And I don't. I, I think there are better and worse adaptive decks, but I don't think that that there's a the same level of difference between a good one and a bad one in adaptive that there is in standard archon. Uh, so I prefer just to play with one of my own and and have fun and learn it. Having said that, if I was preparing to play in an archon format, I would exclusively be buying from the secondary market. I think it's not really a question that uh, for me, even if you can get a Coda box display box for forty bucks, I think you're still going to be spending your money better on the secondary market. Alex,
2: I'm going to kind of give a non-answer. So I, my, uh, my, <laughs> where I'm genuinely at with purchasing decks is what do I need a deck for? Like, that's the question I have to ask. I have a lot of, I have a fair amount of like what I really? would consider pretty com- competitive, <laughs> decks at this point. Um, so like every time I think about buying a deck right now, the question I genuinely ask myself is, Am, is there an event I'm planning on playing <laughs> with this deck? And if the answer is no, I just don't buy it unless it's just something I'm really interested. Like, it's like, I like, I mean, be honest i don't i won't spend more than around like 30 to 50 dollars on the secondary market um unless it's just something i feel like is really special um and so i kind of tend to just be like and and i think that uh, and i want to the reason i bring this up and i think it's a good thing for every player to think about is like are you going to get value out of the deck that you're playing so if you pay 150 dollars out of this deck you better play the heck of, out of it at Chainbound, right? Like, if your plan is to... And to be honest, if you're just playing Chainbound, you probably don't need a $150 deck. You can probably... I mean, Jake, won, like he said, he won a Vault Tour, or not won a Vault Tour, but got high in the Vault Tour with uh, a $10 deck. And that's a lot... I think that that is a lot of people. Uh, we've, seen that, we've seen that happen multiple times throughout Vault Tours. So I would just say... For all, all of you people out there considering buying decks, just be like, what do what think about what do you need it for? Um what like what events are coming up that you want to play? I I if you need to round out like a triad or a survival, that's a slightly different situation. Um, but like, you know, other than that, I'm like if you have one good deck, just play your one good deck and that's fine. I don't I don't know. Just don't get it's easy to get sucked into the chase, I guess, is what I'm kind of saying. And what I what I felt, what I feel like from having bought and sold a lot is you, you got to it's like winning. You know, it's like winning on a slot machine. You, somebody somebody's going to do it. But so a bunch of people had to pay into that slot machine before that person won.
0: Yep. <clears throat> no, that's pretty much, that would be my final thoughts too, is pretty much know, like, what's your expectations with that money that you're spending? Like, yeah. if you just want truly something random, like you just want to pull that, pull that one arm bandit and open that sealed deck and see what you get, do it. It's fun. It's really fun. Like every time you open it, you know, there's that little bit of thrill as you like slide it out of the box and you look at the three houses and then you see Brobnar and your heart falls into your foot, and <laughs> you regret your decision and wish you would have went on the secondary and market. Then you, and you see you cher- Cherry Cherry Bomb, and it's. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, then like you go oh on. my
1: god, that's good. If you go
0: on the secondary market, like you just you know, like you know exactly what you're buying, you know exactly what you're getting. Heck, you can even test it on TCO. There's nothing stopping you from even testing out a deck ahead of time before buying it, which is. Yeah, like the opportunity cost for buying on the secondary market is a lot lower than the opportunity cost. of. Well, I mean, I don't know. Maybe opportunity cost isn't the right word, but just knowing what you're getting on the secondary market is
2: much more. you can do more of you can do more homework on the secondary market than you can with the random deck, right? Because you, yeah. you you get to know what you're buying before you buy it, so that's the the incentive. It costs more, but sometimes. But again, I think what we're landing on is maybe the cost of the secondary market actually ends up being less.
0: <gasps> right. Yeah. Because you're actually getting something you're guaranteed to play with because you yeah. bought it because it appealed to you in some way, so you actually will either play it on TCO or take it to a chain bound. Whereas maybe that sealed deck you buy goes into the box of future bulk sales. (laughs) It never sees the light of day and just sits away on a shelf up in a closet about 10 feet from where I'm sitting right now.
1: One last thing uh, is you don't forget also like there is likely somebody in your community, in your discord, on your team, Uh, who has a ton of decks that would be very glad to loan you one i know i feel like i'd be glad if i can't make it to a vault tour or go to an event like i'm happy to loan my decks out to people in st louis people in the sanctimonies discord because that's cool it's fun and exciting to see how your deck does and uh it's also great to help out a friend and uh, people have approached me about getting a deck for worlds and like you know I think this is a great community. People are really generous. So don't forget about that, too. You don't always need to go buy the deck you want to play. Borrowing one is a viable strategy. In a lot of cases, maybe you can even get a better deck than you'd be able to find or afford on your own and also get some nice notes to help you get started along the way.
2: That's right. I think that's a great point. This has been
1: another episode of Sanctimonious. My name is Jake. You can find me on Twitter at Jake Freed. That's J-A-K-E-F-R-Y-D. I'm very close to 300 followers, so
0: uh, help me out. Shill. All right, I'm Danis, someone D-A-N-I-S-S-O-M-E-1 on Twitter, Twitch, on the Crucible. On the Crucible, if you ever see me on there, password is always S. Stop on in. Hands are always revealed. Watch me and watch Alex probably beat me watch Beehawk <laughs> most of the time beat me and watch me and blake most of the time split games <laughs> um but yeah and uh congrats to the winners of the league so far and good luck to those beginning the league yes and i am alex slotnik
2: i am the nick of slots hashtag 6418 on discord uh you can also reach me at the nick of slots at gmail.com and uh i have a blog which is linked in the, uh, in the show notes
0: Archons of the Crucible. Life is like a sealed box of Keyforge decks. You never know what you're going to get. Will it be a bomb bomb? Will it be a banger? Who knows? But go forth and forge those keys. Trademark of Keyforge. Alex, how have you been inspired this week?
2: I think just by, Oh, this is a really good question. I of course didn't think about this beforehand. Um,